move along to our next speaker, and that's Josie Byrne. And um, if I could just welcome Josie up, and I'll get you to put on the um, mic if that's okay. Um, Josie is currently working at the Newcastle Pharmacotherapy Services and John Hunter Hospital High Risk Antenatal Clinic. She is a registered nurse with 20 years experience in drug and alcohol, mental health and neonatal and general nursing. And Josie has been part of the Newcastle Drug and Alcohol Clinical Services research team. And over the last, couple, uh, last few years, they've been working on a number of projects, um, including two projects on high-risk parenting. So um, Josie's presentation today is Ice, Ice Baby. Um, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land on which we're meeting, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. It's a privilege to be standing on their country. And it's a privilege to be talking to um, you all here today. And I thank the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association for having me here and for leading the way in having calm and rational debate about this complex and well-publicised, often sensationalised issue of methamphetamine use in New South Wales. Um, before I give you an overview of what I do exactly I, um, and what I'm seeing in my nursing role, um, I thought I'd just go over some basic stuff about methamphetamine. I'm not sure where everyone here has come from and um, some of this might be really boring and really basic for you, but just so that everyone's on the same page. So um, what is ICE? Um, it's um, crystallised methamphetamine, which is much stronger than the powdered form, which is speed. Um, ICE is a quick working high that is cheap and easily available and accessible in both urban and rural areas in Australia now. So that's just um, some nicknames, like often I'll hear clients refer to it as mostly as ICE but often as shards, that seems to be used a lot. Um, and the cost of it varies depending on where you are in the drug hierarchy. Uh, but if you or I were going to go and buy a point in Newcastle, we'd probably expect to pay about $40 for it. Um, the high lasts between four and 12 hours. Some people, most people say around six. Um, it can be injected or smoked through a, like an ice pipe or mixed with cannabis to um, smoke as cones or um, inhaled on foil. Or it can be snorted or ingested, swallowed or drunk or... Um, anyway, really. Um, so the effects that uh, ice has is that it, well, it's a stimulant, so you have um, increased alertness and energy, decreased appetite, increased risk taking, increased libido, which is where I come in with the pregnancy stuff, uh, increased heart rate, respiratory rate, increased sweating, enlarged pupils, dry mouth, teeth grinding and other repetitive behaviours like scratching and picking um, and insomnia. If you're using ice regularly, all these effects can have a devastating impact on your mind and on your body. I'm sure everyone's seen those before and after pictures of um, men and women who've been using methamphetamine, but I'm not sure if you've seen this one of Bambi. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm from Newcastle, so I'll put a picture of our, one of our beautiful beaches up there. Um, my job's a little bit all, all over the place. I work in three different areas really, which is good because it keeps things interesting. So um, I work a couple of days at the Newcastle Pharmacotherapy Service, which is the methadone clinic. Um, so there I do stuff like dishing out methadone um, and suboxone. We do uh, client reviews, run prescriber clinics, cl uh, case management. We do lots of liaising with the pharmacies, with Justice Health, the police, etc. 
Um, I also work a day at the high risk antenatal clinic at John Hunter Hospital. It's called high risk as we see mums there who are using drugs. Um, other local health districts call this service um, dips or cups or mums programs, so like drugs in pregnancy services, chemical use in pregnancy services, so you might, guys might know it as that. Um, usually what it, it means is that it's, uh, I have a clinic that I do sometimes with the doctor, sometimes it's just me, where we see women who are referred uh, for drug and alcohol support through uh, the midwives at booking in or through their GPs or through services like the methadone clinic. Um, in this job I work really closely with the midwives at John Hunter and the obstetric staff. In fact we have a special team dedicated there to looking after uh, these mums. Uh, they're called the family care team and uh, they're midwives and social workers and they're all amazing. Um, I meet weekly with them and also with the Aboriginal Birthing Services as well as uh, sometimes staff from NICU and PEDS to um, plan and uh, discuss cases. Um, lots of the women we see there can be really hard to engage in antenatal care. Maybe back. Sorry. Uh, so we just try and be as flexible and as accommodating for these women as we can be and as opportunistic so we can get the best outcomes for mums and babies. Um, so my role at that antenatal clinic is to educate and address with expectant mums any concerns or questions they have about their drug use and of course to get them any help they need to stop using drugs. The last part of my job is a research role. So I've just finished a big project that um, was centred around high risk parenting. So that is research to do with parents who are using substances and have a, um, some sort of um, uh, connection with or some sort of um, history with child protection services. So um, I've worked on and off on that for the last few years. So that's been good because a lot of those families that I've worked with, the participating families are people I saw in the antenatal clinic. So I've seen them little bumps grow into little people, which has been really nice. Um, so I've been asked to talk specifically today about methamphetamine use in pregnancy and parenting and what trends I'm seeing in the Hunter. Um, most of what I'm talking about is observational. Um, I don't consider myself an expert in the area, just a, a member of the association who works in the area. So, um, uh, I mean, this subject, as I said, has, it's, we've already spoken about, has gained a lot of media attention and it can be a highly emotional topic for a lot of people. People have, seem to have strong and differing opinions and levels of experience with uh, methamphetamine. So I'm hoping that some of this information will be relevant for you and helpful for you in your nursing roles. Um, so there's a lot of talk about the ICE epidemic and um, as Judith said, it seems to be politically popular at present. Um, Judith stole a little bit of my material here. But <laughs> uh, is epidemic too strong a word? Many experts would would say so, um, and going by the, national, the most recent National Household Drug Survey, which Judith mentioned, uh, there was 2.1% of the population who've had recent use of methamphetamine, so that captures recreational users as well as people dependent on methamphetamine. Um, however, there are certainly other figures out there, especially from the police, which reflect an increase in problematic behaviour from ICE use. And I would certainly say that in the populations I'm seeing through my work, the reported increased incidence of methamphetamine use is reflected. 
Um, I recently conducted a retrospective audit of the past five years of the referrals to the high-risk antenatal clinic. So I looked at uh, the mums-to-be, their primary drug of choice, so the main drug that they used. I don't have the exact facts and figures at hand because I'm on long service leave and I didn't want to go into work while I'm on leave, which I'm sure you can all understand. Um, but I can tell you that this year so far of the like 100 something referrals that we've had, um, around 35% of the women described methamphetamine as their drug of choice, their number one drug. Um, the top drug out of interest is cannabis. So uh, last year that figure of method, uh, methamphetamine as the number one drug was around 18%, uh, which was marginally up from the year before at 16% and 12% the year before that. However, in 2011, so five years ago, the figure was only 5%, so that's a significant increase. I'm not sure if there's other factors at play here, like how, how we identify it or whether the, attention, the media attention's made mums feel that they should disclose it. I don't know, but the figures are certainly noteworthy. Um, in the methadone clinic, most of our clients are injecting, injecting drug users, so ICE appeals to them as an injectable high. Most of the clients there identify as polysubstance users, many of whom have a history of amphetamine or speed use. So I think a lot of that population have just replaced that speed, recreational speed use with, um, with ICE use, but obviously because ICE is more potent, it's, the effects are um, a lot more evident. Um, I mean, mostly there's other drug use that goes on, other polysubstance use that's just as problematic as well in the methadone clinic, such as benzodiazepines and alcohol. Um, in terms of the parenting group that I work with, there's a lot of amphetamine use that does go on in this group. Um, it seems to be the, actually be the undoing of a lot of mums in terms of community services. Um, I've had a, a number of my mums who are otherwise parenting really well and remaining abstinent from all other drugs, but had... I've had a few who've had a bust on methamphetamine that's had um, dire consequences for them, that, that, that is, they've had their children removed from their care. Um, I think the reasons behind this are really complicated, and I'll talk more about that later on, but um, a lot of these parents have minimal support, and there's a lot of pressure on them to be, what I say, it's better than perfect parents. So, um, certainly in each group, I am seeing the effects of ice on the rise. It seems to be an easy drug to get dependent on. Too. There was a great article, I don't know if people saw recently, by Greg Fleet, the comedian, who um, talked about the slippery slope to ice dependency. Um, so dependency on methamphetamine can lead to not only looking like meth bambi, but um, a whole lot of damage to your overall life. So I just thought I'd touch on the harms associated with methamphetamine use now. Um, and just talk about them too through the lens of pregnancy, which makes the harms even more, and parenting, which uh, makes them even more detrimental. So um, there's a lot of harm in acquiring um, ice. It's illegal, so uh, you know that obviously leads to problems for people in terms of um, police and the law and uh, court and jail. And um, it also, you know, engaging in illegal activity often requires secretive behaviour, so you have to um, be a bit covert and often results in lying to partners and families and can lead to relationship breakdown. Um, it's also, there's a financial cost involved, um, especially if you're using it regularly and, you know, that can often lead on to further crime as well. There's the issue too with uh, methamphetamine in really not knowing the quality of the drug that you're getting. Um, a lot of the 
ice in Australia is manufactured in Asia and imported, but a lot of it's too is is um, cooked here in backyard labs. And um, you know, the mo motorcycle bike gangs notoriously have a large stake in methamphetamine production. So obviously, you know, they're not scrupulously honest business people who are. Um, cooking meth and um, I guess, you know, if corners can be cut at times, they are cut and, um, I, you know, often you never really know exactly what, what you're getting in your, um, in your drug. Uh, there's also the huge issue of um, stigma in terms of being an ICE user, um, which, you know, leads to people feeling alienated and that for me is a real concern in terms of pregnancy because I worry that people feel like won't, you know, that they, um, there's, you know, such negativity and around it that they can't disclose and get help uh, for the issue. Uh, the next lot of harms is, you know, becomes in drug administration, so particularly for IV drug users, there's all the usual stuff of vein abscesses, vein scarring, thrombosis, bloodborne viruses, um, and for babies and children, you know, this can mean that they have parents who are physically unwell and not able to care for them. Bloodborne viruses can also, as you know, be inherited during pregnancy and birthing. Um, there's also the issue of drug paraphernalia around the house. If there's children around the house, risks of needle sticks, potential for children to ingest, um, accidentally ingest drugs. We often talk in drug and alcohol about, you know, kids copying adult behaviour and um, I've certainly seen kids play imaginary games with like sticks and pretend tourniquets and um, so, you know, all that drug administration is obviously concerning for children. Uh, the next area of harm comes during the intoxication phase, which um, is kind of the, the area too that, that gains a lot of publicity. So uh, the effects of being intoxicated is that people can be agitated, uh, they can be physically unwell, they become tachycardic, dehydrated, hypothermic, they lose weight, they have poor immunity, they can uh, have you know, mental health problems like paranoia, delusions, hallucinations, restlessness, sleeplessness. Um, there also is a tendency for people to increase their alcohol consumption when they're intoxicated, uh, increased risk taking, uh, which leads to accidents, injuries, fights, etc. So the harms associated around ice intoxication are especially dangerous for children and, you know, question, uh, sort of question, question anyone's ability to parent properly and effectively when they're intoxicated. Um, I imagine people would have a much lower threshold for crying babies, tantruming toddlers, etc., and that children could be put at risk of um, physical and verbal abuse. Uh, and we know that a lot of fighting and family violence occurs when people are intoxicated, which places kids um, that are present at risk of trauma and injury. Um, and there's obviously been that case uh, a couple of days ago, that young boy uh, killed someone, and there's been some references to methamphetamine use in that as well. Um, and I guess, yeah, the, the fact that people take more risks when they're using uh, methamphetamine makes it, means that if children are, around, are present that they could be put in harm's way. Um, the next lot of harms is, I was going to talk about is, is the crash. So when people are coming down, they tend to be depressed and restless. They might have cravings for other drugs or for more methamphetamine to feel better. Um, sometimes that's when suicide, they can become suicidal. Um, and have a flat mood and bizarre thoughts and obviously you know, parenting is difficult when people are feeling like that as well. Um, 
I think too the crash periods especially dangerous for people who you know, found in their methadone clinic people who have mood disturbance disorders um, they often will I've got you know a client who will has a flat mood so he'll use methamphetamine to feel better and then he'll use some cannabis to come down because he can't sleep and then he ends up feeling really rotten and then he uses again and he, all these, these, this cocktail of you know you guys will be all familiar with that sort of vicious cycle scenario that um, a lot of patients are stuck in. Um, but uh, back to pregnancy, um, a lot of people when they find out what I do have very firm opinions. A lot of people say, oh, it must be terrible, all the parents using ice and hair, all the pregnant women. Um, and I'll, sometimes people say, like, what's the worst drug that you can take? And um, like, people are still surprised, which I find really astounding in 2015 when I tell them that alcohol is uh, absolutely worst drug you can use while you're pregnant. Um, methamphetamine doesn't have the teratogenic side effects of booze. Um, obviously there are harms associated with it though, so um, just thought I'd talk about that now, the effects um, on the fetus in pregnancy of methamphetamine use. So there's an increased risk of miscarriage, uh, premature birth, placental abruption and bleeding. Uh, babies are often smaller into uterine growth retardation and there's a higher incidence of stillbirth. And I've certainly seen all of these occur at John Hunter. Um, but of course I've also seen um, those amazing little fighting babies whose mums have used throughout the pregnancy methamphetamine and they come out cooked, well cooked and healthy. And I'm not sure how this happens but when it does it's great because usually these babies have other social challenges to contend with. Um, and I guess it's important to remember in terms of if you're looking after anyone who's pregnant and who's using methamphetamine, you never really know um, what's in a batch of ice. Um, uh, you're not sure what else, what other drugs the babies are getting and what effects those substances have on the fetus. Um, sorry, I don't know. Um, there, there is a little bit, but a lot of it is um, hard to quantify because um, often there are other social issues um, that come into play with that population. So, um, not a huge amount, yeah, and, and nothing that's kind of really uh, rock solid, I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, now to the most important bit, which is what we do to help. Uh, mums who are dependent on methamphetamine and wanting assistance. So in Newcastle we're really lucky we have a stimulant treatment program and I think you guys are going to hear more about that later on today so um, I won't uh, talk too much about that but we're really fortunate because uh, in Newcastle they will prioritise pregnant women and pregnant women's partners so they'll get people in really quickly and, um, and help them so that's been fantastic. Um, we also uh, would encourage people to do a detox so they can either do that at our detox unit at Belmont Hospital or we're also really lucky at John Hunter that um, obstetric staff will support uh, the mums doing it on the antenatal ward there. So again just we try and this focus of being opportunistic and just trying to do whatever's going to make people comfortable and uh, have the best outcome. Uh, rehab's also a great option particularly like a long-term rehab that has parenting support. It can be tricky to get a bed. There's not many beds around. Um, and especially if 
people have other children or they're on methadone or other complications, it can be really hard to find places. But there are places and uh, I've seen some people do really well going to rehab. Uh, there's also counselling, so community counselling uh, is another option. And sometimes we'll just offer people, you know, I, I find pregnancy is a real fork in the road for a lot of people and you know, there's no sort of greater impetus to stop than being pregnant, to stop using. So a lot of people feel that they can do it on their own and so we just try and give them as much support as we can. And um, So that might be like getting to come and see us weekly and phone support, etc. Um, there's lots of great parenting programs out there as well um, and some great court diversion programs. I've seen some mums do really well through things like adult drug court and merit. They seem to work a lot better than a stint in jail um, in terms of turning people's uh, drug use around. Um, another source of great help for me is community services, docs, family and community services, whatever you uh, want to call them. Um, as a mandatory reporter, if a situation meets the risk of significant harm, then um, I report. I have to report. Um, and given the harms that I talked about before, there often is the need to, to do this. Um, patients are often scared of community services and they feel it's a punishment, but um, in my experience I've found some incredible community services workers who really want to help parents to try and um, get well and to try and keep families together. So um, in Newcastle we have a really good working relationship with community services that I'm really proud of. Um, and working together we've achieved some really good outcomes for some mums. Um, and I've also found that community services are great at helping expedite uh, rehab beds and um, detox beds, etc. And they're also good at getting people into support groups um, and parenting programs. And there's some places that only they can refer to, like the whole of family team. Um, they're also a great phone support, child wellbeing unit as well. If there's ever anyone I'm just, you know, a bit concerned about, often I can just give them a call and they can, they've got some other strategies and, and help. So if anyone comes across that in their work, I, I recommend, you know, not to be scared of them <laughs> and to utilise them. Um, uh, when talking about the methamphetamine debate, I think it's always important to be uh, not be too quick to judge. Alcohol remains the most dangerous drug in pregnancy, as I said, and also the most costly to our community. Um, that same National Drug Household Survey that reported the 2.1% of people using methamphetamine recently reported that um, over a quarter of our population drink at risky levels. Um, I just think we really don't want to demonise uh, methamphetamine users, especially pregnant ones, as we want people to seek treatment without feeling stigmatised and judged. There are lots of good mums I know out there who are still using a little bit of, little bit of ice. They're trying their best with the cards they've been dealt. Um, and I think it's important we always try and see the balance. Of course, kids' safety is of the utmost importance, but I don't think, as a nurse, it's my job to feed into like the hype and the alarmist views and to demonise all ICE users, especially when we don't do that with our most dangerous and costly drug. Um, I mentioned before this concept of better than perfect parents. There are so many judgments on this group of parents, that probably the most judged group in our society. Um, they're watched by many, they've got eyes on them everywhere. Um, I had an experience a few years ago, our son was five and he had, my son was five and he had um, 
he's really accident prone kid. He had like five presentations to emergency in the one year, just with crazy stuff. Like he put a bean from a bean bag up his nose and like he jumped into the pool and landed on his chin and had to have stitches. And, and uh, then he cut his finger off with a knife and it had to be surgically microsurgically reattached. And I, you know, I was sort of at hospital waiting to be questioned about these five presentations, you know, for this. And, you know, it was funny, like, not one person asked me anything. And I, I kind of, like, left a bit disturbed. I was thinking, if I was one of my, my clients, I'm sure they would have been grilled over, over these presentations. So, yeah, I just feel like, you know, every, they, a lot of them stick out like sore thumbs and people, um, you know, neighbours watching them, community services, they've got the community. And, um, they, you know, they, they can, I feel like they can never complain about parenting. They've got to love it. They've got to be, especially if they've got other kids in foster care, they can never say, I'm tired and the baby was really, you know, like it was a really hard night. Um, uh, you know, and, and these people have very little supports, as I said before. They don't fit into mainstream mothers' groups. Uh, they're often victims themselves of transgenerational parenting problems. So, you know, they have parents who really, you know, didn't know what they were doing either, might have been substance users themselves. Um, or sometimes they're estranged from their families due to their drug use. Often they don't have many drug-using friends um, and, or, and they're using ones that are dangerous to be around when they're trying to keep things together. Uh, these parents are most, more likely to be single parents or victims of domestic violence or have you know, partners incarcerated. Uh, they often have poor coping skills. Some of the mums I know started using drugs to deal with issues at a young age and they haven't really developed the ability to cope with stressful situations. Um, so some of the mums I see say, like, I just used a little bit because I had to get the house, I had people coming, you know, community services coming over, I wanted to get the house tidy, I needed food in the house, I needed, um, I was really tired, you know, so, um, you know, and some days, like, when I've sort of raced to work and I'm exhausted and stuff, I think, oh, oh yeah, you know, it's like, it can sort of, you know, all these little issues add up to make sense. I certainly don't condone it, but I, sometimes I can see how, um, you know, how, how this all, all happens in their world. Um, however, saying, you know, saying that, I think healthy and happy and safe kids is, you know, is, is, is where it's at. And, you know, that's why I think it makes it even more imperative that we're accessible to these mums when they want help, as, as we won't just be helping them, but we'll be helping their kids too. So um, basically my take home message uh, is, if possible, to approach, um, this issue without judgment, um, that that as nurses isn't our role. We're here to help patients and our role is really important. We can actually turn the whole thing around for, for users if we're approachable and helpful. Um, we can help ICE users to access services that can improve their quality of life, reduce self and community harm and make people and the community healthier and children safer. So thank you. Thank you very much, Josie. Um, I guess one of the things that comes to mind is that you don't think of pregnant women and new mothers to be users of ice. And it, thank you for giving us that insight and taking away the, um, the old um, adage of it just being young teenagers all the time. So thank you for that. Now, we've got a couple of minutes for a question or two. Just I know we're getting into morning tea time, but has anybody got an urgent question they need to ask? Josie will be here for the um, panel discussion. So if you want to wait till then, you're quite welcome to. All right, we'll, we'll wait till then. Thank, thank you again, JC. Thank you.